0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back. It's the SoCo Show, episode number 119. And we have some business to take care of here in the beginning of the show because he is Seth Ott, and I have no name. Um, people who uh, are listeners of the show regularly, or if you just heard last week, you'll know uh, that I was a loser last week uh, when it came to the new release exam. and Loser. Such, <laughs> loser. And um, I... Don't get to use my own name for the next month, uh, as a result. So, Seth, you need to tell me how I should refer to myself so that I can properly open the show.
1: <laughs> the the one who's out there getting uh, new listeners through his name by doing stand up comedy uh, doesn't get to say his own name for the month. So that's fitting. <laughs> Our um, numbers
0: are gonna go through the roof.
1: <laughs> so, I in the past when I've when I've won the new release exam. I, I've based it around movies that have come out or that were, that are coming out or have come out that month. So I decided to go with uh, the one that was pretty obvious when I was scrolling through. Um, for this month, you're going to be Coco Rabbit.
0: Ah, oh, see, I dig that. I dig that. <laughs> that's, um, that's a good one. Okay, so Coco Rabbit is now my name for the month of November. I'll have another chance at the end of the month to get my name back by winning uh, next month's new release exam. But for the next four-ish episodes... three. I don't know how many are in this month. Um, My new name is Coco Rabbit. So let's start this thing again. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the SoCo Show. It's episode number 119. This is Coco Rabbit, and I'm joined as always by Seth Ott.
1: I am not Coco Rabbit.
0: <laughs> I thought I was going to get through it. I really tried uh, <laughs> to get through it straight-faced. Could not do it. Um, but that's uh, that's quite all right. We're here. We got a lot of show to do, uh, and it's going to be a good one. I am excited this weekend, Seth, because uh, I had a big win o- on Friday, um, and I rarely win things, as is evidenced <laughs> by my name. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, I I participated here in in Bend in, uh, well in a roast battle, and uh, it's just like how you think it is. Uh, it's two comics go up, they each have a microphone, and you just they talk shit to each pot. other. They have a crockpot. Yeah, there's a crock pot, and, and uh, the- whoever makes the best pot roast is the <laughs> champion.
1: And as as you, uh, I, I, th- yeah, I don't think you you talked about it on air at all, but. Uh, it, this co- this comment kind of went past me like really really quick when you mentioned it uh, off air, but you said your tradition on was it Thanksgiving was to make a pot roast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like you would win that roast competition then. Yeah. Uh, had-
0: it it was a little early for my Thanksgiving pot roast, but um, <laughs> the ingredients they were okay. It, it wasn't my top notch, but it was pretty mm. good stuff.
1: Yeah. Hey, a, yeah. a good a good pot, pot roast a recipe is uh it's timeless. It doesn't matter what time of the year it is. So
0: It's true. But you got to get good taters, you know. And uh <laughs> and good carrots and several other, you know, ingredients that I, I won't take the time to name here.
1: Because uh, you don't know.
0: <laughs> I do, too. It's you know, I was just talking to my girlfriend about how I always cook from recipes and so I don't need to re- I don't need to m- memorize my shit. <laughs> So you're right. I don't know the rest of the ingredients for a pot roast, but I do know the ingredients for a good roast battle, which is what I did. Uh, So this is where two comics have a microphone and they talk shit to each other for a few minutes. And then the audience and some judges decide who talked the most shit. And I was like, not really like you and I talked about this. I was not really stoked to go do this because my... um, I don't know whether or not this, was, this will be a surprise to our listeners or not, but my my persona on stage for stand-up comedy is not as a mean guy. I'm, I'm usually a pretty nice guy, kind of meek, on stage. And so I was not stoked to go out there and, like, call people fat and ugly and stuff like that. And that's, you know, you kind of have to do that because I'm not an original enough writer to not <laughs> to not do that. Um <laughs> So, you know, we get up there and we're making fun of people and I even got a comment in one of the rounds. One of the judges was like, I can see the pain on Cody's face as he as he shits on all you people. And um so that was real. I, I was struggling. But I went through, I won all three of my matches, and I, I became the roast battle champion, which was uh <laughs> which is a pretty pretty cool thing. For three
1: for the win! Yeah!
0: People lifted me up on their shoulders and carried me out of the building. Uh, I signed my shirt and gave it to someone. It was uh, it was a pretty intense thing. And you know the thing honestly that stuck out to me the most about it was this: um, you go up there, and and we knew who else was going to be in this competition, so we got a couple weeks to prep. Um, and some of my jokes, uh, I will say, were rather smart, and I was really proud of. You know the the effort that I put in and the thought behind some of my jokes and and in the last round it was me and this other guy whose name happened to be Cody and we're going back and forth and it was really good stuff it was really thought out uh, smart jokes for the most part and then the joke that I won on uh, it was the last the last joke I had I had won the coin toss so I got the last joke and essentially I told that guy that he has a small penis. <laughs> <laughs> And the crowd went fucking crazy, and I won because of that joke. And it just goes to show you, Seth, that it's not about how much time you spend writing, uh, it's not about how smart you are, it's about how funny dicks are. And, uh, <laughs> and that's a philosophy that this podcast has always, has always embraced. And uh, that's why we're putting out such good shit. 119 episodes later, so. That was a. Uh, it was good. To, it was good to bring that to fruition, uh, not only over the airwaves but uh, in a, in a live show as well.
1: Yeah, I, I feel. I feel like I, I'm kind of like your your Mickey here. Um, you know, you spent 20 years making fun of me, calling me fat, I'm <laughs> a little dick, and all that stuff. So. <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I feel like I, you know, I was kind of your trainer, you know, I, I would let you know, oh, that's a good one. That one's, you know, that one's not a good one. So when you had to put up, you know, put up that, that performance in front of a, a live live audience, I just, I, I imagine that I was standing, standing right next to the person you were, you were attacking in, in, in your mind. And uh, you might've let uh, a, a bald joke slip out here and there, um, at least in your head. He probably didn't say it on stage, but for a second, you're like, oh, you're bald. Oh, shit. Can't do that one. You're fat. So
0: <laughs> there was a little uh, a little ghosty version of Seth standing over there. And whenever someone got a good joke in on me, he was like, get back in there, you son of a bitch.
1: <laughs> you got to eat lightning and crap thunder. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man, I was crapping some thunder, too. It was it was pretty good stuff. Um, but yeah, the roast battle was fun. Uh, I'm hoping to get a hold of a video. I I haven't seen it, but if I can find the video, uh, I'll post it in the description uh, because it was a pretty fun event. I I was proud of it and um, uh, won a little, won a few ducats uh, as well. So, um, you know, it was a good, uh, it was a good night. It was a fun thing. And it was, so now, now for the past like three days, I've been super punchy. Like whenever anyone tries to step to me for some reason, I'm ready to just fucking torch them. And so I'm afraid that it's woken up something that had lied, that had laid dormant in me for for many a year. And so uh watch out world, here comes here comes Roastmaster Coco Rabbit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I feel like uh you know the Jeff Ross has been the roast king for so long that I, you know I think I think there's a there's a room for a new contender in there. So maybe Coco Rabbit one day can be the new Jeff Ross.
0: Oh, yeah. See, watch this. He's old and fat and bald, and he, he looks like uh, Grover from the uh, Sesame Street. <laughs> there. The the gauntlet has been thrown down, Jeff Ross. Come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what if there was a world where Jeff Ross heard this and was like, I'm going to get rid of this motherfucker right now? <laughs>
1: he, just, he just tortures you.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I would last about five seconds. That guy takes shits bigger than me. Um, anyway, that was a pretty fun thing. I always like to keep people updated on my stand up because uh, I know they care so much uh, and they don't even want to hear about movies. So let's just talk about my stand up for another hour and a half. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to get into some movies. We have a TV corner, uh, a very fun Mambo number no. five that I'm excited to talk about, and a whole lot more. Uh, but before we get into any of that, we got to start with some chic tweets. I call you a punk.
1: This one's a weird one. I'm just not even gonna, <laughs> not even gonna cushion this one. This is just kind of a, a weird one. <laughs> so Iron Sheik tweets: "I want to challenge the jabroni Dan Raphael, who's an ESPN guy. I guess he does boxing. Uh, to a loser drinks the Sprite match. <laughs> I camel clutch him and make him guzzle a case of that garbage." <laughs> Yeah, I, so I would participate in that. <laughs> apparently Iron Sheik doesn't like this really old commentator named Dan Raphael, nor does he like Sprite.
0: <laughs> I really hope there's more context there other than just that. But if there's not, that's a brilliant way to talk shit on both of those things. <laughs> i would be like, Seth, I'm going to take you in a fistfight and the loser has to drink a bunch of Dr. Pepper. Like, that's how you know... Well, I love Dr. Pepper, so that's maybe a bad example. But you get the idea. You can talk yeah, shit Dr. on a person and a product by saying that exact same formula.
1: Yeah, Dr. Pepper sucks, but I'd, I'd have Sprite.
0: <laughs> i drink a fucking gallon of Sprite. I love Sprite. <laughs> uh, so Iron Sheik, if you're out there, I am willing to take this old guy's place, and I will fight you loser drinks a Sprite. I call you a punk. Let's shout out our sponsors. First of all, audibletrial.com slash Hit the link in the description and you're going to get 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. Free. Mathis Designs. Find our good friend Steph on etsy.com slash shop slash Designs for all your stationery and graphic design needs. Beep. And Mike's Wood. Uh, you can find Mike on etsy.com slash shop slash wet if you want to get your wood worked. Hmm. We love that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh, Mike, of course, also a contributor through our anchor page, Mike V, and also at Jared Buckendall. uh, Thank you guys for supporting the show. Uh, If you want to become a contributor and uh, shoot us a couple bucks a month or a thousand bucks a month, either way, uh, whatever's fine. (laughs) You can go to our anchor page, uh, anchor.fm slash the-soco-show and contribute at the level that works for you. Um, and of course, uh, you know, if, as, if you're not a contributor, uh, you're helping us out just by listening to this episode. So thank you uh, for listening and for sharing, uh, because the more we grow the audience, the more fun stuff we'll be able to do with the show. So uh, thank you guys for all that. We also have one more sponsor to kick it to. So let's go to previously recorded Coco Rabbit for one more <laughs> ad. All right, Coco Rabbit, very well done. Um, <laughs> one more thing on the Anchor page. Uh, if you want to leave us voicemail. You can go to the anchor page, leave us a voice message, and we just may play your audio on the Soco show. So depending on you know what you hear today or uh, what you think of our takes, shoot us a message, and uh, you know we'll uh, we might play it. Maybe if we get enough of them, we can have a segment where we go to uh, we go to the audience for thoughts and questions and things like that. So if you have anything like that, uh, we'd love to have some voicemail. But all that out of the way. Uh, oh, one more thing. Uh, if you become a contributor, I'll take a Teela shot on the air i did it last week it went super great uh it was a fun for everyone
1: (laughs) and i listened to that back actually for whatever reason and uh it was edited down by a lot uh because it (laughs) took way way longer than it than it sounded
0: yeah we recorded uh, last week's show over the course of an entire weekend so (laughs) that really helped me stay straight um (laughs) All right, well, that's enough housekeeping items. We're going to roll forward into the show. Like I said, a lot to get to, so we don't have time to cover all these news stories. That's why we got to do them as quick hits.
1: Ow. All right. We'll start in the world of TV. Uh, HBO Max announced their lineup and included as a Green Lantern show. Ryan Reynolds will not be involved, but his CGI costume will.
0: I dig it. I am actually pretty stoked for this.
1: And a CGI costume. Um, Netflix is testing a function to watch shows uh, 50% faster. They will also be testing show uh, testing a feature function out to watch shows a hundred percent faster, but that'll only be available for seasons two and three of 13 reasons why.
0: <laughs> that is highly valuable. I think people are going to be glad they have that.
1: And finally in TV, uh, friends want you to pivot to the theater uh, after your Turkey Day meal this Thanksgiving as they will screen uh, all Thanksgiving episodes in theaters. Uh, After screening eight episodes in theaters just a few months ago for their 25th anniversary, NBC executives uh, can be heard saying, can they be any more gullible?
0: (laughs) I'm going to be watching the one where I take a nap.
1: (laughs) Actually, this weekend, too, I was staying in a hotel, so I had uh, just... uh, um, basically the only thing i could watch was you know actual tv and so uh comedy central had friends playing and they're doing all the thanksgiving episodes so they're the friends are is uh still out there heavy right now uh pretty crazy
0: oh yeah no doubt
1: uh in quick hit movies spider-verse sequel set to arrive in spring 2022 no word on which characters are returning but after all the halloween costumes sold this year spider gwen is uh sure sure to be back
0: oh yeah Absolutely, lots of Spider Gwens, lots of hot ones. My girlfriend went a Spider Gwen. Uh, we had, a, we had yeah, that, a very awesome time.
1: I saw quite a few on Twitter, like being retweeted and stuff. So I'm sure that was a high selling one.
0: Yeah, and as far as Spider Verse two goes, give me what I want. I want it immediately. I don't want to wait, but uh, I guess I guess two and a half years is fine. Um, <laughs> even though I'll be 31 years old when that movie comes out. <laughs> Can't wait to be the oldest guy in that shit. <laughs>
1: Um, Ant-Man 3 to bring in production in January of 2021. Uh, it'll reportedly be starring a group of young ant- Ant-Men and it'll be called Ant-Boys for Life. <laughs>
0: Jesus. I wonder if they'll <laughs> go with a big budget or if they'll try to shrink it.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> and finally in movies, uh, if the third time's a charm, then I hope this one is Vada Kadabra. Fantastic Beasts 3 is officially in the works and begins filming in the spring.
0: Insert fart noise here.
1: <laughs> and that is the quickets
0: some good stuff in there. Yeah. Some good stuff and some poopy stuff. Uh a la fantastic beast which I will not be attending. Um I don't did you uh did you like the second one?
1: No. It was better I thought, but I still didn't like it. Yeah. Those movies. And the below. This, the stuff I liked was uh the Dumbledore stuff when they when they actually went into the lore we know about for the most mm-hmm. part. And and I think they're going to be leaning more towards that way with the next one anyway from what I remember hearing about it, but I don't know. It's still I think there's still two more after the third one. So what the hell? What the hell oh, else are they Jesus. gonna do? Jesus.
0: Yeah, they need to get rid of that shit. Anyway, who cares about how terrible the uh, Harry Potter sequel or prequel trilogy is? Um, we got some other shit to talk about, and we're gonna start by getting back into. It's been a little bit, but we got to get back into the TV corner.
1: Television down on the corner. Nobody puts in the corner.
0: So Seth, this is actually going to be a series finale. Uh, for a show that you've been keeping up with along the way. Uh, I know we've been talking about it for a little while on this show. Um, (laughs) I can remember a couple times specifically. Uh, But uh, the end of uh, an HBO show that you've been watching for, gosh, is this four seasons or five now?
1: Uh, This is the third. Oh, is that all? Yeah.
0: (laughs) I guess it's not that much. (laughs) But still, uh, tell the folks what you watched.
1: Uh, Yeah, this uh, this show supplied our... Our, uh, one of our favorite moments in the show uh, it, <laughs> regarding the Big Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if uh, you haven't heard that one, I don't remember what episode it is to be honest. But I think it, it
0: was right around our first year anniversary. Yeah. So it was probably in the late 40s, early 50s episodes. <laughs>
1: yeah. I should
0: find that audio and dig it up.
1: <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, but that that is the Deuce, uh, which has been. <clears throat> Uh, as I mentioned, three, three seasons, uh, all taking place in the New York city within different time periods. First season was the 60s. Second season is the 70s. And the third season was the 80s, this final season. And so what we've kind of seen here is just the evolution really of New York uh, over that time, especially in like the crime, crime type world, or just like, you know, some of the really around the, the things that kind of made New York being known for kind of a dirtier, more rough city back then. And so First season was more about prostitution and things like that. Along with that, it was about uh, the crime world as well, and, and how the the mob still had a hold over you know some of the businesses and and bars and things. And that's where James Franco's character comes into play. Uh, he's a bar owner, and uh, again through this entire time, he's owning he owns a bunch of different bars and clubs and things like that. Uh, second season was the beginning of the porn industry and how kind of prostitution went from from that into from being the big thing into a lot of prostitutes moving into porn and then the third season of of the 80s was finally just all all the porn industry and then um, kind of the the wrapping up of the the mob scene in New York and so um, I I, I really did like the season a lot I thought a, a lot of the the things they've been building to paid off really well. Um, my favorite storylines really is is revolves around um, Maggie Gyllenhaal and, and the porn industry in general. But Maggie Gyllenhaal um, plays that uh, she was formerly a prostitute and then was a porn actress when that started coming up, and then finally she became a porn di- porn director and a pretty big big one uh, in this. You know, she's going for different awards and things like that. She's dealing with that along with now uh, a new relationship that where the, the partner doesn't feel super comfortable with what she does because he's kind of more high status person. And then she's just trying to, to make, you know, her kind of her dream movie in a way. So, um, that's her overall arc in this season. Uh, James Franco, uh, is kind of dealing with him balancing, wanting to, to have love and also at the same time, um, still wanting to, to be the, you know, top guy, uh, owning all these bars and, um, he's really kind of the the known go to guy uh, in 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 New York for that type of stuff. He's respected and all that. So um, he's dealing with that and and kind of the repercussions of that as well. Um, those are the really the main storylines, and that that those are the ones that kind of pay off. Actually, there's one more. Uh, Lori Madison is uh, she's a um, porn star, like the big. She's kind of like in this world the the big huge name, um, but she's also now that porn is kind of in this time is evolving because prior like the prior season it was just starting and you know, it, it was still like outlawed and stuff. And then this newest season, it's now it's become a huge, huge industry. And like, you're seeing more and more crazy things, uh, in, in the, in the, in the porn, um, porn that's being shot. And so she's, she's adjusting from being like, you know, the, the top one to being someone who, because she has a higher status doesn't want to do certain things. And so she's dealing with that and, and that type of thing. Um, I like her art quite a bit too, but overall, I thought this was a really, really well done show, um, from, Season one to the end, and season three, I thought really topped it off. Well, um, great performances through uh, for everyone in the show. I think that that all the characters, by especially by the end, uh, feel very um, feel very real and lived in. Especially for how they do the city of New York in the show. They they really New York is just as much of a character as anyone else, isn't isn't it? And it's cool to see like how um how it's how it's changed over that time and and how they really focus in a lot of in a lot of the shifts in the city um even by the end so like by the end they kind of they do a flash forward to uh the current times in new york and show they they really show the differences in there and it's it's really cool like that uh that alone just like really shows how new york played such a big role in that show so it was cool um, really my only, I would say issues with the show were there are a few storylines they kind of, which they backed off with more as the seasons went on, but, um, kind of sur- surrounding the police and, um, dealing with some of the. Some of the lesser characters in terms of like um some of the other older prostitutes or things like that that i just thought didn't weren't super entertaining so some of the characters aren't as strong but really the main cast is so overall i'd say um for this season and the show in general i'd say a 3.8 uh big apples out of five
0: nice i like it uh 3.8 solid score and at at, at only three seasons and these are how many episodes apiece
1: um i think like eight to ten
0: yeah so not a crazy long show uh, so a 3.8, definitely a solid rating. Uh sounds like a recommendation for the series as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. And I know you um, have spoken highly about, um, about James Franco and about uh, Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal. I hope I have that right in the past. So I think that that enough is enough to warrant a recommendation on this show. So this is on HBO. You can watch the whole thing now. Uh, if mm-hmm. you've got the HBO streaming service, so it gets a thumb up and 3.8 big apples. Mm-hmm. Uh out of uh out of five so seth was this a show i know the subject matter is a little um you know there's the dirty there's the sex and stuff are there any like is this a show that you would recommend that people need to go check out like uh, does the dog die for or does it not get Mm. into that level of, of like dark stuff
1: um yeah i mean they do go into addiction they do go into depression and things like that too so it does get pretty i guess heavy at times but um, nothing like too terrible. I don't think, and I guess there is because obviously with dealing with prostitution and stuff, there's a lot of abuse and things like that too. So yeah, I guess there would be, you know, some, some barriers to watch out for.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, does the dog die.com is a service that allows you to go and check for trigger warnings before you watch something. Uh, so it's a good way to, you know, not be blindsided by something, um, in TV or movies. So, uh, check it out if you are concerned about what you're going to see on the Deuce, uh, which just wrapped up its third and final season. <laughs> uh, James Franco, Maggie Gyllenhaal, three point eight big apples out of five this week in the TV corner. Television down
1: on the corner. Nobody puts baby in the
0: corner. All right, let's keep things rolling. We're going to switch over to the realm of movies with a very exciting Mambo number five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. So for this week, um, Seth, I need to pull my notes up. Will you tee up our mambo here?
1: Yeah. So this uh, just right, right before we recorded last week, or ac- actually right after we recorded last week, uh, Benioff and Weiss, uh, who are the great Game of Thrones creators and or not creators, but runners and and wrote and directed a bunch of episodes, things like that. Um, they had been a, a year or so ago uh, announced as the uh, gonna gonna be doing their own Star Wars movie and potentially trilogy. Um, and, and running that uh, as a potential like prequel to the Old, old Republic was the rumor. That all kind of got scrapped as, uh, as Benioff and Weiss got a deal from Netflix. And there's been a lot of talk about them being pushed out kind of a slowly, uh, through, through a slow process. But they are now out of the Star Wars. So, uh, uh, out of the Star Wars. But th- now <laughs> they are uh, they're, they're free to do their own thing. And, and there's a spot open for a potential trilogy um, there's been rumors about Ryan Johnson potentially still involved in things like that too. But uh, our our thought here with the Mambo was to talk about five people we'd like to see involved with doing a Star Wars project or trilogy or that or that type of thing. My thought process. Correct me if, if uh, this is what yours was or not. But um, I didn't necessarily go with just directors or writers or you know I, w- I did go with showrunners and things like that too. So um, I I don't know. We'll see how our di- our uh, list different here.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, for me, these are a lot of. I would say, um, well, we'll get into it. I'll explain along the way. How's that sound? Uh, so these are <laughs> these are the these are the list of five people we want to run a Star Wars trilogy.
1: Number five. For me, number five, I just went with someone that this this one's just a straight up director, but went with someone who is involved was involved with in Star Wars kind of in the beginning, just through friendship. Um, and I think he was involved in some of the scripts and things like that. But that's uh, Steven Spielberg.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you um, that you have this because I also have Spielberg at number five. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and I, I, I went a little bit different. I teamed up Spielberg with Ron Howard. And the, the reason why is both of these guys do really well with movies. And I may even, if I can make it a triplet, um, I would say Ron Howard, Peter, uh, Steven Spielberg, and... Um, Zemeckis, mm. and the reason why is Spielberg and Howard and Zemeckis specifically do like that sense of like awe and wonder uh, that really is a trademark specifically of Spielberg's. They do that really well, and I think that's a hallmark of of Star Wars. And I think they would do really well, uh, you know, working alongside, um, you know. Uh, the composers and and the cinematographers and, and just creating that again in the world of star wars and it's 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 easy to create in star wars because you have big ass ships and cool landscapes and just it, it's built for that but i think those guys would make something that was truly like beautiful to see and would get the kids all excited and back into it and it would probably have a little bit lighter tone which i think would be welcome after what we've been seeing lately so that's why i had him there did you have something else in mind for spielberg
1: uh not really, just just you know he kind of been in there from the beginning, he knows how to you know shoot all that stuff um pretty well um I, I think it'd be cool to see him kind of I feel like he would give it a you know whatever they do uh kind of give it the vibe that like a new hope and that type of thing has mm-hmm. so I think yep. that'd be cool to have him in there,
0: definitely that'd be dope. I'd watch it for sure
1: number four uh number four for me uh this is a person, so this is this is a more of a showrunner. Uh, he's he's done it with some shows in the past, but I know he's a fan of Star Wars, and um, he he's done a really good job with, especially with um, one certain series I'll talk about in a second. But in terms of just doing episodes, really based around some of the the, the nerdy culture and things like that. So I have Dan Harmon at number four. He's the creator of Community.
0: <sighs> That's really good.
1: Um, I th- he he knows. I mean, he's he's great at show running, but he's great at he knows how to do great ensemble casts, and I think that's that's important with the Star Wars movie, especially if you're going to do a new franchise. Um, you really need to nail the characters, so I feel like he he'd create a great ensemble cast. He'd have obviously some laughs in there, um, but he knows how to do shoot action and things like that too. Like you look at the paintball episodes of Community; those actually were pretty well shot mm-hmm. in terms of the 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 action shots. So you got that. And again, he knows the nerd culture. He he knows all of. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's a big Star Wars fan. Um, I think he's done some. He did some Star Wars um, esque stuff in the Community. I think. So yeah, overall, I think he'd be a good choice, especially if you're looking to to have one person run a whole trilogy.
0: Yeah, I dig Harmon a lot. Actually, I just restarted Community, and it <laughs> is so goddamn fun, especially in the early early parts. Uh, yep. Don't forget also uh, Dan Harmon behind Rick and Morty, so he knows his way around sci fi. Yep. Um so that would be I would watch the shit out of that. Didn't include him on my list but definitely one that uh, had I been thinking uh, I would have. That's a good pick. I have at number 4 um it's a a, a writer/director pair and it is the Russo brothers. So mm. Joe and That's Anthony a good one. Russo uh just hot off the tail of Avengers Endgame and you know you talk about an ensemble cast um, and I think, what, I think what we saw with the Captain America movies that they did and with um, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame that these guys know how to provide action and a certain level of emotion, uh, but also bring the, the comedic levity uh, when you need it. And so mm-hmm. I think theirs would be a Star Wars that never really would get too full of itself um, but would still have a lot of really great beats and whether or not they need Feige involved, whatever. But I I think they could write and direct uh, a really dope Star Wars trilogy and pack it with all the stuff you love about Star Wars. I think it would end up being a lot like The Last Jedi if I had to draw a comparison. Um, but I would definitely love to see that. And I know that they would handle the source material, you know, or lack thereof, uh, really well because they did it so respectfully and so so well with Marvel. So uh, their track record to me says that they they could do a pretty good trilogy. And I wouldn't be shocked if they end up doing one.
1: Yeah, I know they're Star Wars fans. They've talked about that, or at least one of them is. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. I That one was a complete blank by me, but that's, that's a really good one. Number three. This is kind of, if, if they wanted to hire someone, I think, and, and have someone with a new style kind of come in. Um, still would fit within a Star Wars movie, I think his style would, but I feel like uh, it would bring something different could do some really great uh, action scenes and things like that, have a little bit of comedy to it and it'd have a different look, I think. That'd be Edgar Wright.
0: I knew you were going to say Edgar Wright and I got to kick you. Okay. I've got him too. Uh, let's go to my number three here. I have, you want to talk about changing the tone up. Uh, I have the Cohen brothers at number three.
1: <laughs>
0: and I don't know whether they would go hard, like either way this would be dope, but they could go like No Country for Old Men, like really quiet, dark, calm, um, you know, slow moving and you could see some really dope shit. Like if, if like the Obi-Wan prequel was done by the Coen brothers and you'd have that desert aesthetic and him going around quietly and doing whatever he does, uh, that would be really cool. Or they could do it more in the vein of like Lebowski or burn after reading where it's heavily comedic and dumb. And you could explore like, maybe not the Jedi and Sith who are so like, Uh, what's the word i'm extravagant all the time but maybe you're looking at like the simpler people that surround them uh in star wars and either way uh these guys know how to do violence they know how to do scale the cinematography is always great in their movies and um certainly there'd be a comedic element too so the coen brothers would be they could go any number of different ways uh, and i'd be there to watch it day one for sure
1: that would be very interesting that'd be cool number two uh, number two for me, then uh, I I don't think you probably have him, but this one for me is because because he would be able to create an, a, a really great arc. I, I feel like for a, a three um, three movie trilogy, and um, he's recently done a movie now, uh, and that's Vince Gilligan. Um, this one I feel like would be it would have to be like one one or two character based, kind of like Breaking Bad. I mean, the ensemble of Breaking Bad is pretty good, but um, really, if you want to dive deep into like one character and give it a more serious tone, um, still he's he's a funny guy too, though. So he you know he can still throw some funny laughs in there, or whatever. But um, I feel like this would be a a pretty character focused um, arc from from beginning to end. I don't think there's anyone else I can do an arc like that better. So I feel like if, if you're looking for one character to really dive deep into, I think Vince Gilligan's gonna do an amazing job at that.
0: I would kill for a zoomed in like expanded Vince Gilligan driven trilogy of movies just around Anakin Skywalker when mm-hmm. he's turning like episodes two and three, I would watch the mm-hmm. fuck out of that.
1: Well, even like the early days of Vader when he, you know, when he's starting to become, cause like he's still, yes, he does fully turn Vader in the end of, of episode three, but we don't really see him go like full evil. You know, he, there, mm-hmm. there's, you know, other than the rogue one thing when he goes nuts on those people, um like right that would be really cool because that that would be a total break that would be like breaking bad in itself almost because he could still kind of have him like have little vestiges of what he was but really going from you know to to that full evil point so so when we get to that point in rogue one uh when he's when he's tearing fools heads off with lightsabers um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, now you see like this guy's full evil. I think that'd be pretty cool. Or even like an emperor, like you could do the story of the emperor that way too.
0: Oh, that'd be so dope. You <clears throat> could bring in like an idealistic young emperor and have mm-hmm. him go through his whole thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. That would be dope. Vince Gilligan's a good one. Uh, yeah. That, that's a good one for sure. Um, my number two will surprise no one. Anytime we do wish lists, I have to include Tarantino. Um, mm-hmm. I have him at number two. And I mean, it's everything you love about Tarantino. He's he knows scale. Uh, he knows witty banter, which is always uh, which is always present in Star Wars. He can do violence, um, and I want to see a Star Wars where they cuss. I do, um, and maybe it's got to be about like you know Han Solo and his group of marauders or whatever, or some new group or shit. Even if it, even if Tarantino was in charge of something like The Mandalorian about uh, bounty hunters, it would need to be a little bit about the grittier side. I think than um, than the Jedi, but, uh, Tarantino's dialogue and, and action and the way he shoots things, I think would, would really be cool in a Star Wars movie. And we've heard about him possibly doing Star Trek, which I'm also stoked for, but, uh, given the choice, I'd have him on Star Wars.
1: Yeah. That'd be very interesting to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> number one. Uh, number one for me was really first, first person that came to my mind, especially after what I saw this weekend. But, uh, for me, it's Taika Watiti. Mm-hmm. And, um, I feel like, you know, we've seen him be within, you know, a, a Disney structure with with Thor and he's coming back again, obviously. So he can write for, you know, non-original or yeah, for stuff that he, that he's not coming up with, you know, non-original things. Um, I, I, I believe he's a Star Wars fan because I think he's I think he did an episode of of Mandalorian. Uh, I think he directed an episode this year. Uh, of that, so um, I'm not 100 percent certain on that, but he was at least on set, so I think he's either he, he plays a character or he directed an episode. Uh, I know for sure he's on set, but he's a fan of it. He's, you know, he, like, like I said, he's done done the the corporate stuff. Um, he's, I mean, his dialogue is great. He's he's got the humor. Um, he's got the heart to to do to. And I'll talk about Jojo Rabbit, but he he can. The thing with him, I mentioned um, with like New York New York City with the Deuce being a character um it, that that world feels lived in taiko atiti he does that perfectly with 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 his his movies like everything just feels lived in all the characters feel perfectly written um it just I, there's just like something with with the with his writing that makes everything feel just like alive i guess i don't know it's weird it's weird to describe but um he's great i mean he he's a really great writer and director funny smart all that stuff Um, I would love to see a trilogy run by him. I think he would do an amazing job at it.
0: I think that guy is, like, really... Like, obviously, he's popular right now, but he's only going to get more and more huge, I think. Mm -hmm. To the extent that he wants to, his shit is going to be blockbuster stuff in, like, three or five years when Mm -hmm. he gets on some big-time projects. And and as long as he wants to do that, like, if he doesn't mind working with studios... I know Jojo Rabbit was a little more small than, uh, than, like, Ragnarok, but... Uh, he's going to be a big, big fucking deal, um, even more than it seems like he is now, I think. Um, and, and I do totally feel like, watch the Star Wars movies, too.
1: Right, and, and, and I feel like, you know, especially, too, with the big draw of, of Star Wars, I mean, other than, you know, people fighting with laser swords and stuff like that, is that, you know, the the characters that are within Star Wars all feel, you know, like people love them. They, they're, they all feel like real people uh, in this crazy world. So even, like, people just love Chewbacca for being Chewbacca and stuff like that. And I think... Um, you know, people like the characters in the, in the new neuro trilogy and stuff like that, and you know, Ray and, and Finn and all of them are popular. But to me, none of them have the feel like they did with the original trilogy, with like Luke and Leia and Han. You know, like the those those characters all feel like you know them. You you they all just feel like real people, and I think that's what Taika would be able to do with a new trilogy, because that's going to be important with a new trilogy. Is you have to have characters that you like and relate to and root for, and You know, even just like a stupid blue rock monster people love (laughs) because, you know, he made he made people love a stupid rock monster that says like five dumb things. Um, He he could easily do uh, a great Star Wars trilogy with with some great characters people love from the beginning, uh, because I think that'll be a big roadblock up front is is who are these new people? and Why do we care about them? I think Mm -hmm. Ty could be able to make sure that people care about them very quickly.
0: Totally. Yeah, I have full faith in that. I would go for sure. Uh, and you mentioned my number one a second ago and it was Edgar Wright. You said, you said a lot of the things that I would have, uh, when I, when you first, uh, when you first had the idea of, oh, let's wishlist, uh, Star Wars trilogy guys, Edgar Wright was the first one that came to my mind. And it's like you said, he, he does, he does action well, he does comedy really well, um, and I, I think the most thing for me though, is just the style with which he shoots and it would be very different from everything star Wars we've seen, but you know, you think about just the atmosphere that he creates in like baby driver and in, um, you know, hot fuzz and Shaun of the dead and, and at world's end or the world's end. Sorry. Um, it's a very specific and unique style that I think would lend itself to some pretty fun star Wars shit. Um, you know, the, the quick cutting and the heavy use of music and, just the, the cool creative dialogue that he has, I think is, it would be so different and weird. Like if you asked me, um, you know, if we were doing episode 10, who would you put on it? It would not be Edgar Wright because it's going to be so different than anything we've seen before. But an entirely yeah. new trilogy by him could live in its own little world and be super dope. And, um, you know, I'm Edgar Wright's one of those guys I'm eagerly anticipating whatever his next thing is. Because mm-hmm. I've, I've enjoyed everything he's put out so far.
1: Yeah, I I, uh, I didn't think that deeply with him. Um, but I do agree with, with everything you're saying there. And then um, one thing I thought would be a reason that I think would be really cool is that with the way he shot driving and baby driver, like a lot of a lot of that stuff would be really cool to see uh, him do with like TIE fighters and stuff like that. Like oh, th- some of the, the spaceship sequences um, would be really cool if he shot him in the style kind of like baby driver.
0: Yeah. Yep. I'd watch that. Honestly, if they just took Ansel Elgort, put him in a TIE fighter and uh, started playing some tracks, I'd watch that for sure. So those are our lists for our top five uh, potential showrunners for a new Star Wars trilogy. What do you think? Do you think uh, we should have different people on our list? Who do we miss out on? Uh, Seth, did you have any honorable mentions?
1: No, I didn't. Uh, these are who I all thought of, but um, your your uh, Russo Brothers one would would definitely probably made my list if I would have thought about that one.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah who else did we miss out there guys on facebook and twitter at soco show Pod, or leave us a voice message on the anchor page let us know uh why our lists are stupid and why yours is right and uh we just may respond to you uh in a future show so uh check that out that's going to be it for this week's mambo number no. five we're going to move on staying in the world of movies to this week's making the quota <laughs> what's your name fuck you that's my name my name is
1: inigo montoya
0: and i quote all right seth you got a movie uh well more specifically you've got a quote i need to have the movie and the character or actor who said it Uh, so what do you got for me this week
1: (laughs) (laughs) this is gonna be something to read um what the fuck man If I go in there and see fucking pubes sprinkled on the toilet seat, I'm going to fucking lose my mind. Last time I went to the bathroom, I took a shit and my shit looked like a fucking stuffed animal.
0: (laughs) Uh, I know, I know this one. (laughs) I know, I know this one. Shit. So I know, what I do know is that this is a Seth Rogen movie. Someone's going to be shaving their pubes, I think, so... (laughs) Is this in pineapple express no ah oh, crap um i guess is oh, it crap is it knocked up yes okay um okay so if it's knocked up ah oh, crap now i can't remember any of his roommate i think it's one of his roommates um is it jay baruchel
1: Mm-mm. is He's it the one who sh- jay baruchel one who shaved his pubes
0: oh okay wait so it's not seth rogan that says it um no Crap! Who else lives with them? Um, is TJ Miller in there somewhere?
1: I don't know.
0: Well, it's it, there's no way it's it's not Katherine Heigl that says it, is it? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> um, who else lives with them and knocked up? There's that little Asian girl, uh, and I don't think it's her because you know I don't know her name. Jonah Hill's not in that, um, isn't he? <laughs> is he? Is it Jonah Hill? <laughs> yeah. Is Jonah? Hill, uh, He's one of the roommates. I guess. I don't know how I must have known that, and then been like, "No, nah, no way," because that was pretty. That would have been pretty early, Jonah Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that was what oh seven oh eight. So this oh seven. Was right, yep. Yeah, right around, right around, if not before, uh, Super Bad. Okay, so Jonah Hill talking to Jay Baruchel about his pubes. That movie. So I knew that it was going to be a Seth Rogen movie, and so I knew it was going to be a good quote and a tough one. Because the dialogue in all of the Seth Rogen movies is hilarious and obscure like that, and I was mm. like, okay, I gotta, I gotta know my, my Seth Rogen. Uh, but Jonah Hill was in Knocked Up. I don't know why I had forgotten that, but that's a good one. <laughs> I have watched Knocked. First time I watched Knocked Up was with my mother. That was a mistake.
1: Ooh, that's a good one.
0: Yeah, you ever seen a crowning baby?
1: <laughs> I have not.
0: It's, it's hard enough to look at it on its own. You probably don't want to be sitting next to your mom while you're looking at it.
1: <laughs> She's like cow. Yeah. <laughs> that was much much worse for me when I had to push you out of oh, me. My-
0: Christ, yeah, that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I was like sixteen or fifteen, and I was homesick. And uh, she rented it. That's how that's how we watched it.
1: And Kyle, uh, oh, you want to watch this movie about people getting pregnant?
0: Yeah, and there's a scene in there where Catherine they're getting ready. they're trying to have sex when she's pregnant, and um, Seth Rogen goes, "Oh, you want to do doggy style?" And she goes, "No, I don't want you to fuck me like a dog." <laughs> Which is a hilarious line uh, when you're not with your mother. Uh So I need to go back and watch that one. Uh, I'm going to have to check it out. So Knocked Up uh, featured this Jonah Hill quote, which was the subject of this week's edition of Making the Quota. (laughs) What's your name? Fuck you. That's my name. (laughs) My name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote... All right, we're going to keep things rolling, and we're going to stay in the world of movies with our our main topic that has to do with a little film that came out this past weekend. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set?
1: Movies.
0: All right, Seth, so Terminator uh, Dark Fate came out this weekend, and uh, we're going to review it in a little bit. I I went and saw this movie, Um, but the big news is that it was a big-time bomb. Uh, this weekend there was not a lot of money to be made in the box office this weekend and terminator did lead the way In the box office, uh, but with a pretty modest showing and the projections are seeing I think what I saw is that this movie could lose Like 250 million dollars. Do you have the numbers on this?
1: Uh, it was 110 is what I saw
0: 110. Okay. Well, yeah, still a fucking lot um, yeah, you don't want to be losing money on it and you know uh, I'll yeah. ask you this Seth. so you I know are not a big fan of the Terminator franchise. I think you haven't seen most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you were never going to go to this just because you weren't a fan. Uh, do you think that the sprawling nature of this series um, and the fact that there are probably a lot of people your age who haven't seen them all, do you think that contributed a lot to the fact that people weren't going uh, because it's a it's a franchise that not as many people as the studio may have thought are super into?
1: I think people do love terminator but i think because it's it's it's, it it is interesting there's been a lot of remakes recently that have have made a lot of money uh most recently i I think back to halloween uh last year uh, when that was remade and and brought back and they did the same thing halloween was kind of the first to do that where they they basically retconned all movies but the first one and terminator did the same thing here they retconned all movies but uh the first two and so it's interesting because on, on one hand it looked like it should work uh, just, you know, because people are going, you know, that especially a Terminator, it is a beloved franchise and they were going back to the, to the one people really love the most in T2 saying, all right, here we go, fresh reboot or whatever. And I, I, I feel like maybe with, and it's weird because you think about it too, even with Halloween, but you know, the, the last probably th- two or three or four Terminators that have come out people have really not liked and have not been very good made a decent amount of money, but haven't been very good. Um, you can kind of say the same for Halloween too, though. Cause they had like five or six or seven of them that were really dumb and campy and terrible. Mm-hmm. And they went back to, you know, their, their last good movie and people loved it. So I, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's a really interesting thing. I, I think really though Terminator, it's probably more of a recency bias just based off of how bad the, the last ones were. Um, and it didn't really seem like they were going like, with the Halloween ones, it was just called Halloween and it was very heavily advertised. Like this is just a sequel to the first one. Whereas this one didn't really, it still seemed like, Oh, this is probably a sequel to Genesis or whatever the last one was called. Like it really wasn't distinguishable from Mm -hmm. the other ones. Yeah. And there's, I
0: can, I can tell you this. There's, there's not much in the movie that tells you about the whole retcon. Um, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: this very well could serve as well, other than some timey, whimey mumbo jumbo, um, could, could easily I, I would understand the confusion as to why people didn't really realize that this was a retcon job um, and th- what's weird and and the reason that we wanted to to talk and sort of speculate about this is because when it when it has such a terrible first weekend you know that that's not that's mostly not because of the quality of the film you know like this is people decided they were not going to go see Terminator mm-hmm. and and it's hard to pinpoint exactly why that is but everyone seems to have made that decision except for me. Um, and you know, I, I am about with you. Like I've seen the first couple Terminators. I didn't see a lot of these ones that people said were bad. And so I was just like, ah, screw it. You know, I'll give this one a shot. And so I was willing to go try it, but I know that you, you don't like to go see a movie unless you've seen everything leading up to it. Um, and so I would bet that there's a lot of those people because you're right. A lot of these most recent, uh, Terminator movies have been, you know, panned uh, and pretty aggressively, especially when you start thinking about Genesis, which was one of uh, one of our top five stupidest movie titles a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, uh, in uh, in the Mambo number no. five. So, you know, it's a weird thing. Uh, Seth, let me ask you this: this is a movie or a series of movies that I think what they're trying to do here is continue to tap in some nostalgia from the late '80s and early mm-hmm. '90s, and they weren't able to accomplish that. So, is this? is this to you an illustration of the fact that there are limits to people's nostalgia?
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely think there is, I just, you know, I don't know, I think maybe in, in a, in a world where they market it differently though, I think this could have been a success. Um, it's, it's kind of sucks too, especially like with, cause it had a lot of, a lot of good talent and, and, and things like that involved. I mean, Tim Miller uh, was the director. He did Deadpool and, and, you know, it's kind of been on, on the rise and, Uh, I think James Cameron came back to do some producing and things like that and was involved with it. So, you know, we had a lot of the original people involved and and some new, uh, fresh, fresh talent involved, but it just, for whatever reason, it didn't, didn't turn out. But, you know, I, I, I think it really just depends on, on what it is. Like the, the Halloween thing to me is still kind of weird because, you know, maybe that was just the time of the year it came out that it, that it did so well, you know, people were in the mood for it. Um, Terminator people aren't, maybe that would have been a better summer, summer movie if it came out in the summer. Um, you know, just, just being crazy, you know, action from what it sounds like a lot of cool action and stuff in it. So maybe the time of year was wrong. I I just really don't know um, because Terminator does have a pretty big fan base otherwise from, from what I understand. So um, this, this one is, is interesting. You know, I I don't think, you know, let's say Halloween comes out next year, then the new one comes out and does terrible. Then I think, you know, maybe that starts to put a, put a damper on it, but we'll even look back uh, to earlier this year, we had Child's Play uh, the, the Mm -hmm. Chucky movie come out and that did well in the theaters. And they, they've talked about doing another one and that type of thing too. So, you know, it just, I think certain things, yes, are there, there's definitely a a, a limit to it, especially if, again, looking at at Terminator, people have been burned so many times just in the last five, six, seven years, um, that, that it becomes tough. Um, so yeah, maybe that, that's probably, maybe that's more of the limit. It's not you know uh everything in a general nostalgia nostalgia bubble but you know if you do so many things so many times and it doesn't turn out um that that could be where people start to be like all right you know hold on a second (laughs) because you even look at um transformers last year uh Uh, you know transformers had so many movies people didn't like and they come out with bumblebee and no one went to it (laughs) you know compare it compared to what the other ones did and people actually like bumblebee you know it's a from what from what everyone said, it's a good movie. So I enjoyed it. You know, so you know, I I think you know maybe that that's it's it's the. The quality, or you know, the, the quantity and quality of them versus you know, like are they trying something different with it? You have, I think that might be what you're looking at for the equation. Is there because if you get burned a lot, uh, pretty close up. It's like dogs, you know, dogs learning to not, you know, shit on the couch or whatever. <laughs> after <laughs> after a certain amount of time, you do it so many times, you're just not going to do it anymore. So I think same might be able to said be be said for some of these big franchises that keep trying over and over again feeling like they're going to get a lot of leeway from from the fan base and eventually that fan base says no more
0: do you think that do you think that to some extent fantastic beasts is is maybe gonna run into that where like oh yeah Mm. you love harry potter and you want to know what happens but they keep making shit movies like you'll stop going at some point right
1: i don't think so i think that, that i think that's a little different one i think both both fantastic beasts have made a good amount of money um, I, obviously enough to to do a third one. Um, the the Harry Potter fan base, I think, is a lot like a like a Twilight fan base, or I'd say more than a Twilight fan base. But you look at the Twilight movies, right? Those movies were reviewed very poorly critically, but each one kept making more money after the other. Mm-hmm. And you know, fantastic. But like, if a Harry Potter movie, like if they did a, you know an eighth, or I guess it technically be a ninth Harry Potter movie where it's Harry Potter in it, that movie would make you know a billion dollars tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But if, if with the Fantastic Beast, I agree that there's probably a little bit in there, but we were where where you know there's some that someone they're missing some characters in that one where you know it's not maybe not going to have the same push behind it. But Harry Potter fans love Harry Potter; they're going to get their hands on hand, hands on it any way they can. Um And they we were talking off the microphone, I believe, where they were uh, they they're they're including no, we talked about it on here. Excuse me, Um where they they're including some of the um, lore from, from Dumbledore and, and all that stuff. And so f- fans of Harry Potter want to see that, you know, that's, what's keeping me going to it. So, um, they're including enough tidbits in there for people to come back, but yeah, there's certain franchises. Um, I, you know, I think even Marvel to an extent, will. you know, if, if they just kept doing Avengers movies over and over again, I feel like people would still go, um, for, for a while at least, and it still makes some money. So I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about cuz you're right. Halloween does seem to stand out as like if 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 I'm trying to get Terminator Dark Fate greenlit, I'm pointing at Halloween and saying this is what we can do, you guys. And it just didn't quite work out that way. Uh, there's probably a lot of factors. Let us know, guys, um what you think the the factors were. I I know one thing, one thing might be, you know, Halloween if if I'm a total idiot and don't know anything, then Halloween seems like a new movie and, Oh, I'm going to go see the movie Halloween on Halloween. Um, mm-hmm. but Terminator going Terminator, dark fate, it's clearly a sequel to some shit. Um, you know, maybe that had something to do. I, I'm not sure, but I, I, I just to preview my, um, my review that we're going to get to in, in a little bit here. Uh, this movie's not bad enough to be this big of a bomb. So I think this was, th- there's marketing issues and people decided ahead of time not to go see this because, uh, and I, I'm not the only one saying that. There are some pretty good uh, audience reviews out there for it. So um, interesting to, to kind of speculate on it. And, and we certainly want to let you listeners weigh in on this. So hit us up on Twitter and Facebook and, of course, on the voice messages uh, in Anchor. Let us know why you think this movie was a bomb. And, uh, of course, whether or not you liked it, uh, if you saw it. You're going to hear my thoughts in just a second. But, um, yeah, kind of too bad. I, I was not necessarily rooting for this movie because... Uh, just like you mentioned, you know, I, I've soured on this franchise over time, um, but you know, you never like to hear that something lost a hundred million dollars. That's you know, <laughs>
1: you
0: know, unless it's uh, Transformers or um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Either of those, I'd be fine with. So let's uh, let's keep rolling. Hopefully, we're about to talk about some movies that are better, uh, or at least uh, that were more well received than Terminator was this weekend. And uh, I hope that's the case, because I reviewed this next movie to Seth. Let's get into We Missed the Boat.
1: Oh! I'm on a boat, eh? You're going to need a bigger boat.
0: So if you're new here, We Missed the Boat is the segment where Seth and I are force-feeding recommendations to one another. Uh, We keep a running list of five movies that one of us has seen, and we've been begging the other two, and this is our way of forcing each other to see those movies finally. And uh, we go every other week, and this is Cess week. So you picked a movie recommended by me, and you watched it, and I, I think we got good things coming uh, for this one. You haven't told me what you're seeing, but I, I, it sounds like you enjoyed it.
1: Uh, it fucking sucked. <laughs> no. um, so yeah, this, this week uh, we, I, I, got, I got lucky and was able to... Uh, uh, recently came on hbo to, so i was able to watch this movie for free um had a little bit of time to watch it so uh that movie is steve jobs oh fuck yeah. um this one i wasn't like super like i was i wasn't like super motivated to watch it but because it was free and i had the amount of time to watch it i did um and I, i'm very glad that i that i did um and i didn't continue to delay this one further um it's I think doing since we started doing this. This is easily my favorite uh, that I watched, and um, I, I, I this one would make my top ten. Like if this came out this year. This would be in my top ten right now. Nice, I think. So yeah, Steve Jobs obviously is is about Steve Jobs, the Apple, um, you know, the the genius behind Apple and all that stuff. And what what I really liked about this one, the thing I wasn't like super pumped about is I just didn't want like a, a normal um, you know, biopic about someone. I was like, that, that's what I was kind of worried I was going to get is like, it's going to show Steve early on in his life and show how he got there. And it's like, I know that, you know, I know that it was him and Steve, Wo- uh, uh, Wozniak in, in the, in the, uh, garage in in California and and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I, I know that story pretty well. I actually did a, um, like an entire semester, like case study thing on Apple. Uh, so I, I'm pre- I know a pretty good amount about Apple, but, um, like, I didn't know a ton about Steve Jobs other than a few things. And I kind of got the uh, really the, the best of both sides here because it wasn't a straight-up, you know, like, biopic. It was it, – it, the, the structure of it was really cool. It was basically three big product launches for Apple. The Macintosh – actually, it was product launches in general. The, the Macintosh is the first part of the movie. Um, the second part is uh, when Steve was on his own and did Next. The, it's a Next Cube and then the third one was um, the i the the Mac, was it not the imac was it yep imac imac okay for whatever reason I think that's a, a laptop but it was that the it was the computer that we grew up with in fucking schools which was the best <laughs>
0: which looked um, so it, fucking cool at the time but now we know it's so ugly
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and he even he, they even mentioned in this is like the coolest mouse ever I hated that mouse that little circle mouse it was the pr- was like the a worst. perfect circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah that was
0: that was a nightmare i always yeah i always switch we had like two options and that was one and i always got the other one
1: yeah but anyway i loved that structure because you still were able to see you know how he would changed over time and and get that normal thing through the through uh you get through a biopic but Um, The way that they just had people kind of come in and out and they controlled the dialogue in those three three settings and they were able to show because time there's time jumps in there. They were able to to show growth and all that stuff, show character development, show new relationships and how they've changed and things like that Um, without it being like that stale thing. We never spend too much time in one because that's one thing biopics kind of have trouble with is Mm -hmm. um, like they spend too much time in one area of the person's life and you don't get enough time with some of the big moments and in this one you got you know three big moments in his life and the moments happening around those uh it's it's really cool i absolutely loved that structure it was i i was into that from the beginning to the end um i I mentioned the you know the the dialogue and things like that within it the dialogue is amazing uh this is sorkin right
0: hell yeah it's sorkin that that was the reason i needed you to watch this was because sorkin's dialogue this is fucking incredible
1: yeah, the the dialogue is amazing. Uh, Danny Boyle directed it. He's 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 got great direction as well. Um, Fassbender is amazing as Steve Jobs. I don't even want to watch that that uh, the Ashton Kutcher one, Jobs. You know what? Um, that
0: movie got a lot of shit. I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm not t- <laughs> like it's gonna be. It's worse than Steve Jobs, definitely. But yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, so luckily, I saw it first before I saw Steve Jobs. But it's got its it's got its merits for sure. But it's no Steve Jobs. Yeah
1: yeah but yeah i mean the 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 cast is great though i mentioned uh, michael fassbender kate winslet plays his like assistant uh, marketing person um seth seth rogan plays steve wozniak and honestly like i part of me holding back of watching this is like i like i like seth rogan a lot but i don't know how i take him as a serious actor and he's really good in this Mm -hmm. um i I did, did like that jeff daniels plays a role in this one, Michael Stuhlbarg as well. So the cast is awesome. And especially like it being such an enclosed story with, within these five or three big moments, um, you know, you really only have these, these characters kind of coming out. Uh, he has like an ex-wife character as well. And his daughter is in this too, which is a huge part of it. But you know, a a lot of the really interesting stuff and and like the heavy dialogue scenes that are done so well are with, you know, some of those main characters, uh, Joanna, Steve Wozniak and Jeff Daniels character and Michael Stuhlbarg's character, Stuhlbarg's character as well. So awesome all around. Yeah. I I love this one. The music was great. The, the, the way they shot it was really cool in terms of like the different, um, I guess probably different film. They shot it on even too, because like when, when it's in the eighties, um, you know, early on in the, in the movie, it's like very grainy and looks like it shot in the eighties. And then as they move forward decades and things like that, it looks way more clear and, and you can definitely tell like they were going for that aesthetic. So they're doing that well, along with the music and things like that. They had some cool shots where the, like they were projecting stuff on the wall next to him, um, to kind of tell a story and all that too. So awesome movie, like really, really, really well done. Um, I believe there were some nominations for this, too, wasn't there?
0: Yeah, uh, Fastbender was nominated for Best Actor and Kate Winslet for Best Supporting Actress.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely, I thought there should have been uh, writing and directing uh, nominations for that as well. So, but yeah, really great, really great movie. So, i um, glad this one was on my list and I I did finally, uh, finally watch it.
0: Yeah, this makes me happy. Um, and there may have been more nominations. I'm sure Sorkin got nominated. Yeah. Um, let me see here. Yeah. Best screenplay was nominated. And so was best original score, uh, which the score for this is really cool. As I recall, it's pretty minimal, but, uh, but it's nice. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: there's a, there's a specific scene that led me to this movie. Um, I've talked on this show way in the past about, um, script to screen, which is a YouTube video, um, channel where they show you a scene and then on the, like below the scene or on the side of the scene, they'll scroll the actual script. So it's really cool to get to see like what the words on the paper were and what the actors ended up doing with it. And I saw a scene where Seth Rogen and Michael Fassbender are, uh, they're in a shouting match in uh, an auditorium. I think when they're rehearsing for one of the releases, I think it's when Wozniak wants him to recognize the Apple II team uh, Mm -hmm. for having done the iMac or for their, you know, the work that led to the iMac and Fassbender is saying no. And Uh there's an excellent just back and forth between the two of them that is just incredibly written. And I remember watching just that scene and was like, I gotta go watch this fucking movie. And, uh, you, you were talking about Seth Rogen. He's really good specifically in that scene. Um, but it was a little bit of a surprise to see him do well, you know, in strictly a dramatic fashion, um, in this one, but this is my shit. Like you got Fassbender who is awesome as jobs and anything Sorkin writes, I'm there day one. Um, so I'm glad that you enjoyed it as much as I did, and I'm going to send more Sork in your way, absolutely, um, because uh, you're going to like a lot more of his shit if you like this. So if you guys out there want to watch Steve Jobs, this is the 2015 Steve Jobs, not to be confused with the 13 version with uh, Ashton Kutcher. Uh, it's available on HBO, so if you want to go over there, you can watch The Deuce and you can watch Steve Jobs. And uh, it just recurred to me, Seth, that your list is down to only four items on it, And so I need to replace one of those. And I haven't given much thought to what what I was going to do here. So let me see. This is one that I know was on your list to see and you didn't. So I'm going to give you a chance. Uh, Frankly, I think this one's more your taste than mine, although I did enjoy it. Uh, But I'm going to give you Thoroughbreds. I'm pretty sure you didn't see that one, did you? Oh,
1: yeah. No, I did not.
0: Okay. Um, So this is uh, a couple of girls who hatch a plot to um, get rid of one of the girl's stepdads, uh, so this was Anton Yelkin's last film. Uh, he's not the star though. It's Olivia Cook and uh, Anya Taylor Joy are the leads in this. Uh, pretty soft-spoken, some pretty decent dialogue. Uh, very indie feel uh, that I think you're gonna dig. Uh, and I saw this at uh, at our our art house theater that we're always talking about film scene. Back there mm-hmm. in Iowa City, so uh, I think you'll dig this one, and uh, good excuse for you to get back into one that that I know you uh, were talking about seeing, but didn't get to back in. I think eighteen uh, is when this came out. So, Thoroughbreds is on your list. Uh, what are your other four that you'll have to choose between for two weeks from now?
1: I have Silence of the Lambs, Nightcrawler, Viver, Ven- Viver, Viver Ven- Vendetta, Viver Vendetta, Eternal <laughs> A- 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 Sun. God damn it, I cannot talk. I, A- <laughs> Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and Thoroughbreds.
0: You got some tricky. Uh, you got some <laughs> tricky words. Uh, that's a tricky list to say, is what I'm, I'm meaning to say. I'm catching your your inability to speak. So that's a good list. I will be uh, for next week reviewing one of the following five films: Toy Story Three, Call Me by Your Name, Tully, Fighting with My Family, and Good Time. I think I've chosen what I want to watch. Um, but I'm not sure yet. So we'll see. uh, I think probably this weekend I'll I'll be catching one of these. So uh, very good stuff. Uh, Feel free to follow along and and watch these recommendations uh, with us, you guys. Um, If you want to do so, uh, catch Steve Jobs on HBO this week and you'll be keeping right up with Seth on We Missed the Boat.
1: Oh!
0: (laughs) I'm on a boat
1: and... You're going to need a bigger boat.
0: All right. We are going to get into some movies that came out this year. In 2019, we've got five films to review, so let's get into it here.
1: Mom, what do you think? I love it! I hated it!
0: Seth, I want to start with a movie that I reviewed on this show last week, and I know you just saw today, um, and this is The Lighthouse. Now, for for folks who, who don't remember or need a refresher from last week, uh, this is a movie that I went to, and while I saw the artistic... Um, while I saw the art in it was not my cup of tea for various reasons. I suspected that you would be a little higher on it than I was. Was I right?
1: Yeah, I think it's fair to say you're uh, a little higher. is is probably right. Um, I did enjoy it. I I agree with you. know a lot of what you said. Performances are great. Pattinson and Defoe are, are fucking haunting. Um, I liked. I did like the 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 style that it was shot with the black and white. Uh, I think that leads to a lot of um, more unsettling stuff. There are a few, there are a couple scenes where um, both Pattinson and and there's one that particularly with Willem Dafoe, where um, the, the way the lighting is because it's black and white, um, it, and the the angle that they're shooting at his face, he just looks insane, mm-hmm. like absolutely <laughs> one million percent complete insane. And so it's pretty—it's pretty nuts the, the way they're able to do that. I mean, they do keep you guessing too uh, in this movie of like what in the world is you know kind of—I mean, in a way, yes, what's going on, but like when is this happening in terms of what when they arrive? Like they mess with time a lot in this movie, so you don't really know like how long they've been on this lighthouse for. Um, you don't—the none of the characters are really reliable, so you don't know like which. If who if like if Willem Dafoe is telling something to to Robert Pattinson and vice versa, even at times you don't know, you know if, if that really happened or not. So some of the the stuff that they're both seeing or really Pattinson is seeing is you don't know if it's true or not. It's um, they don't really give you an explanation on on what happens. So you either kind of have to you know think about it or go like kind of look up some stuff after. And some of the stuff I looked up after was. Um, did kind of make it clear although it doesn't really like if you don't know what it's supposed to be or if you don't know like kind of the origins of it then it's it doesn't really make sense to it's kind of like Nalanza. did you mention in your review mother
0: um i may have i don't remember whether or not i did but i it, it warrants uh it warrants comparison for sure
1: yeah um in terms of how it relates to something else, I guess is what I'll leave it at there. Oh, I see Um, see. You, i And
0: I I didn't do anything after. Did you do some Googling after and find some deeper meaning? Maybe I still need to do that. Did you appreciate a little more after you did so?
1: Yes and no. um, Because it doesn't really necessarily relate to kind of, it's, uh, basically it's related to a story within Greek mythology. Like it's almost verbatim in a way. Kind of like how, with mother it was with the bible mm-hmm. you know um i'll leave it at that though so yes um, and there's also other meanings in there too and, and like what but th- this movie and i didn't see the witch but i think the same thing with the witch is like there really isn't an, an answer at all like it's this is kind of just like this is up to you so figure it out mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, figure out what you think about it so um, I'm not as frustrated at, about that as, as a lot of other people are when it comes to those type of movies. Like, um, I appreciated, I guess what, what everything was going for. I, I loved the way it was shot. The, the, the music and sound in general was really, um, it, it added a lot to the atmosphere here is going for of, of being, you know, very, um, I don't want to say suspenseful cause I was never like on, on the edge of my seat, but just very unnerved and very, um, Unsettled, I guess. Just like you, you kind of never know what's gonna happen next and that type of thing. But I did appreciate it. Uh, quite, uh, I would, I would say I appreciated it more, I think, than than what most would, I guess. Um, just this being my, more my type of movie. Um, I can't say this is a movie for everyone though, because it's really weird. Yeah. At times, <laughs> so you know, it's not a movie like they, I've talked about this before with with a lot of indie movies. Not a movie I would recommend. But if you're into indie movies, you're into. Uh, weird think piece movies you're into different um a, if you're into a24 movies uh, i think this is a good one to go to um I, I did i did enjoy it it's probably not one i'll ever see again but i, I did enjoy it for the, the time i watched it
0: yeah um yeah it sounds like we're not terribly far apart i want to read you a review from our friend of the show Lindsay monday um <laughs> who always very opinionated is Lindsay. Lindsay. i was texting with her about it earlier Uh, The title of her review is The Lighthouse is Trash, Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm going to read you a paragraph that she sent me. Uh, I told her that uh, I enjoyed parts of it, but it probably wasn't my cup of tea, and here's what she said. Uh, Lighthouse shouldn't be anyone's cup of tea. It's the most overhyped, pretentious piece of boring garbage I've ever been unfortunate enough to waste two hours (laughs) on, and anyone who thinks otherwise should say it to my face so I know to completely discredit any of their thoughts or opinions to the end of eternity. (laughs) So Lindsay was uh, pretty fired up about it. Um, And while I, again, you and I found things to like in it. uh, She apparently had a harder time doing so. So uh, somewhere in between Seth and Lindsay uh, is probably the truth. And so uh, we really want to know what you guys thought, uh, especially on the lighthouse, Twitter, Facebook, and anchor voice messages. Let us know what you thought of, uh, of the lighthouse. I was excited to hear your thoughts, uh, but not terribly surprised uh, when I did. So, we have uh four movies left and let's see you saw one you saw three and i saw one so why don't seth you go with one more and then i'll go
1: all right i'll review mother's motherless brooklyn
0: (laughs) oh yeah i forgot about this so yeah as of this as of originally recording uh motherless brooklyn uh seth hasn't seen it yet but he's going to see it and we're going to cut in this audio later so let's go to i guess a future version for us of ourselves and a previous version of us for you guys i don't know either way um we're going to break over to another recording and i probably didn't need to tell you this i probably could have snuck it in and it would have been good editing but um here we are we're doing it go ahead
1: all right motherless brooklyn um so this one is motherless brooklyn is Edward Norton. I don't know if you've seen any of the trailers or anything like that, but it's uh, it looks very strange. But Edward Norton wrote, direct this. Uh, it's based off a book, and he uh, adapted the screenplay. But um, basically, his his character, um, whose name is Lionel Esrog, um, They don't really say his name much in this, but um, he uh, he he's a he's a private eye. Um, he works with a group of private eyes who's run by Bruce Willis. Uh, Frank is is his name and it takes place in the 1950s so it's very like noir type it's not black and white like most noirs but it's a noir type of, of movie um, Frank uh, Bruce Willis gets killed uh, very early on in the movie you've seen this in the trailer and so the, the movie um, the rest of the two and a half hours of this movie is is them trying to um, is, is Edward Norton trying to figure out why he was killed Um Frank was involved in some things and he left some clues here and there. Um, but he, he basically goes on kind of a, a chase to, to figure out, you know, why uh, someone had a, a reason to, to put a hit on him and kill him. Um, I mentioned that he he was involved in a group. And the reason they're so close is that that uh, Frank kind of adopted Edward Norton's character, along with some other characters. Bobby Cannavale is in this as a, kind of a, a higher up um, detective within that that. Group uh, that that they have, I think it's like L and L Detective Company or something like that. But um, anyway, he's or uh, when Edward Norton and the group was young, they were taken in by Frank and they he kind of took him under their wing, his wing, and and taught them some ways to for private eye uh, of a private eye. And so um, definitely had like a father son relationship, especially with Edward Norton's character. So. Um, you know, he's very passionate about finding the killer and and so uh, finding why he was killed. And throughout this, um, it's kind of run alongside a storyline with uh, during this time in the 50s, New York was changing a lot, Uh, you know, went from, you know, kind of more of the subway stations and and things like that, kind of like one basic mode of transportation to that's when they started to add in more streets and and vehicles became more more prevalent so they were taking down neighborhoods and things like that to add in new streets and new um you know overpasses and things like that so there's a lot of like uh, property ownership and in, in a lot of uh, even like gentrification and things like that too because a lot of these neighborhoods were run down neighborhoods that uh, a lot of black people lived in at the time and so they you know d- were pushing them all out and getting them out of new york and stuff like that too so um, a lot of that stuff going on in the, in this movie as well. There's also kind of a, 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 love angle that runs alongside. Um, so a lot of different stuff going on and, and with it being a two and a half hour movie, uh, a lot should probably happen along with that too. I, I mean, I did like the cast. I mentioned Edward Norton, Bob, Bobby, Bobby um, I'll, I'll just say it because I couldn't say it before, but uh, Gugu mbatha Ra, I did it. Yeah, good. <laughs> Sweet. She plays like the love interest and, and plays a role in, in kind of everything going on there. Uh, Bobby Cannavale said, Willem Dafoe is in this for a good portion. I really liked him. Ethan Suplee, um, who delivers kind of more of a, a dramatic role here. The guy, you remember when they see us, the guy who has the cut in his face? Oh. The dad?
0: Yeah. Uh, Michael K. Williams, I think is his name.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um he uh he plays a role in this one as well. Um just a lot of like a lot of smaller parts throughout cuz Edward Norton's really the focus of this one. Um so good casting all around. I really really did enjoy the cast and the characters that they had in here. Great acting all around. Edward Norton, you know, I I thought that the cuz his his thing is that he has um autism, is that?
0: It's uh Tourette's.
1: Tourette's. There we go. Um, he has Tourette's, and I thought that would get really annoying. And actually, it kind of, it, it turned out to be okay. Um, there's also a line that you you know are worried about with actors portraying that, but I don't think it ever got too bad. Uh, I think that Edward Norton was able to, for me, to to hit that area where it's like I've seen Edward Norton do a lot of movies, but he was able to kind of really transform into this character. Um, did a really good job of being super endearing um, and caring, but at the same time, like you saw because apparently like in this in this movie this the the Tourette's didn't hit him until a little bit later in age so you saw like that there's still the norm like the part of him before the Tourette's where he was speaking clearly and like you know all that stuff um and then you know this other part of him where he even talks about it's like another person almost like that's just trying to get out of him so like some really interesting acting in here with him um you know, having a normal conversation, and then just the middle of it, you know, this other person starts to pop out and make comments about what he's talking about. Uh, it's really interesting the way he does it, and and his acting in this is is really great, actually. Other, you know, other than that, I thought I just thought the story wasn't super well done. Um, I, I thought like the mystery aspect was was fine, but there wasn't enough intrigue there within the story for me to be like super invested in it. Um, I, I just thought. You know, it wasn't even necessarily like I was guessing until the end, like a lot of, you know, murder mystery things like it just seemed like they, they took out any sort of suspense here for me. It was just very like, all right, we get to the next thing, we get to the next thing, we get to the next thing. There was never really any sort of like for me, any like super high stakes, which I felt like there should have been for a movie like this. It also, you know, I, I, it probably hinted that is a two and a half hour movie. It was very long. I I thought that there could have been easily a half hour cut out of this thing. Um, even just from like some scenes, and some shots are very long and drawn out. and and for a movie that I thought would have more deep meaning to it, it really didn't. So some of a lot of those shots, like with the lighthouse, you can kind of say, see, like there's a lot there's some of those shots he meant to put in there because of certain like meanings and things like that. Mm-hmm. this a lot of this was just shot to look cool. and it it looked cool in some of the some of the shots, but, and it had like that noir feel, but it just added to the runtime, and they spent way too much time on certain long, drawn-out stuff. And then certain storylines just really didn't pay off for me in this movie. I just spent too much time on it. If they were to, were to really just focus solely on he, uh, Edward Norton looking for the killer and like finding clues, like it, the first half of the movie is really just that, and I was really into it. And then they just kind of branch off into some storylines I didn't care about. Um, and and it just dragged for a while. So there's really parts of this movie I really really enjoyed, and parts I just didn't care about at all. So um, overall, with with great performances, um, you know, really cool shots. I you know I didn't even bring that up, but uh, they did a really cool, really really good job. Made it really look cool with the the 1950s aesthetic and and the vehicles and the sounds and all that stuff. I really enjoyed that a lot. Um, but just. And, and good directing too. I mean, Edward Norton got a lot of really good performances out of his entire cast, but just a story that didn't really work for me, and and um, just way too goddamn long. Um, I just I think uh, I think this is probably one that you know if you're into like the noir, the mystery, the you know that type of thing, I think there's there's things you'll like in it, and you you might enjoy it. But otherwise, it's probably one that I I could definitely see being on an HBO, or it's a Warner Brothers movie, so it'll be on that HBO Max. I bet um you know I, I i would probably just wait for it at this point just because it is it's a t- it's a big time investment two and a half hours and not a ton of like thrills it just feels it felt super long it's one of those where I, by the time i was done i'm like how like how long have i been in here for <laughs> so as opposed to like you know with avengers that three hours went by in a flash you know and they're very different movies but you know for for me even some longer movies that have a slower pace it doesn't feel like too, like once upon a time in Hollywood. Yep, that To been me, that example. was that was a. It's a very long movie, but it didn't feel like two hours. Like I, I, I didn't ever feel like I want to get out of here. Uh, there was times where, like this one, I'm like, this is very excruciatingly long, and I, I kind of want to get out of here right now. So, um, yeah, I would probably wait for this one.
0: I dig it. Yeah, this was you answered the question that I mainly had was the the handling of his mental disorder, um, which you know that's when I first saw this I was like come on Ed Norton but it is from the source material um and it sounds like he handled it with some respect so that was good but yeah Mm -hmm. this is one that wasn't high on my list so I'll be I'll be definitely waiting I think to go see it but uh good to know that at least their performances are good and and Ed Norton did you were you able to spot anything that seemed uh unique to his directing style here or or Mm. was there anything you know would you know if you saw another Ed Norton directed movie um
1: maybe um yeah, pr- more more than likely, yes. I think there there was. I mean, ugh, I don't know. There was some interesting. I I don't know how much he was involved with some of the the shots in the movie. I'm guessing there's a lot, but there's a lot a of, lot of interesting shots he did have. Like like I said, there there. I think there was because it's not as deep and introspective of a movie as 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 I think it wanted to be at times. I think. there there are some interesting things that he did in here i'd like to see in future movies of him um but i mean he like i said in terms of the performances and things like that he got a lot out of his actors in this one i think that um there's a lot of character type actors in it and that can sometimes go from especially in a 1950s noir movie that can go from being good acting to super over the top and cheesy and that it never felt like that to me i think everything felt really you know grounded uh in this one um so that, that was good. Uh, I think that just his overall style of the movie worked for what he was going for. But, um, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I've never really seen anything else he's directed. So I don't think I could ever actually point it out like I could with a Scorsese or a Tarantino, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally.
1: What I will say. So, again, I don't really know what his style is. But I, 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 in terms of writing, I definitely think that he should probably take a step back on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, or at least, uh, you know learn how to, to edit and shorten some things up because it was it was just a very long movie
0: yeah i think probably one of those it is based on a book so you know between trying to get in everything that the adaptation wants you to and then also when you have an actor directing he's probably not going to cut a bunch of his own fucking scenes so probably a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that went into the length here but um yeah sounds like one uh solid enough to watch at home but uh, don't rush out and see motherless brooklyn
1: Wow, what a review.
0: It was really, you know, one of the best, I think, reviews that has ever been done on this show, uh, and I can say that with full confidence, uh, knowing everything that was said in it. So, uh, that was our that was Seth's review of Motherless Brooklyn, and I'm going to go, I'm going to take another turn here. We talked about it earlier, Terminator Dark Fate, and this is a movie I, I don't need to talk at too much length about. Um, there... In, in summary, uh, this movie was very entertaining, but I'm not going to accuse it of being a good movie. Uh, you may be able to think back to my review of Hobbs and Shaw back in August. I think when we had my brother on, uh, was that episode. And it, I feel a lot of the same things there. There's a lot to like here. There's big, dumb, loud, exciting action. That is very cool. And pretty much everything surrounding it is crap. Um, there There are efforts here to emotionally tie into things. There are efforts to connect back to things from earlier in the series. Um, but you know the the action here is really, really good and fun. I saw this in IMAX, and I would recommend seeing it in that format. Uh, if you watch this at home, you're probably not gonna dig it very much because there's very mediocre acting here. Um, there's not very good writing. It's pretty clunky. Um, I will say this, uh, Mackenzie Davis was a bright spot for me. She plays one of, she plays actually a cyborg uh, in this and uh, very well done. And uh, also, you know, she's, uh, Mackenzie Davis is fun to look at. So that was a good part (laughs) of of this movie. Linda Hamilton is back and she's doing like, if you saw Halloween from last year and you remember like grizzled old, uh, you know, really mean Jamie Lee Curtis, Linda Hamilton is doing her best impression of that here, and mm-hmm. if I hadn't just seen it in uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Halloween, I, I may have been appreci- more appreciative of it. But you know the comparison you drew uh, when we were talking earlier, Seth, is is apt because you have uh, the return of the main villain, well, a main villain, you know, Terminators in general here, uh, and they're more badass and more intimidating than ever, and that's scary. Uh, you have the return of the gray-haired old lady who's there to kick ass now. And you have some new ingenue-type uh, people that we're trying to save. So it's very, very similar to that movie. And like that movie, uh, the action and, you know, in, in Halloween's case, the gore, uh, which there's a little bit of here, but a lot of gunplay, a lot of CG, you know, with the uh, with the Terminators. And that was all done really well, I, I think. But again, the the connecting bits... Uh, were mostly crap. Uh, I found myself at the end of, a, at least once, uh, at the end of an action scene, I was like, okay, I don't need to hear what they talk about, so I'm just going to go to the bathroom. And mm-hmm. uh, I rarely go to the bathroom during movies, but I was like, okay, this feels safe to do. But, uh, you know, if you can grab a buddy uh, and or a couple of brews, uh, there's there's some stuff to be enjoyed in this one. There's some some pretty cool shots and action sequences, but uh, not going to win any Oscars anytime soon. Uh, watch this as big and loud as you can. Uh, Because, again, it's not going to translate as well at home. But uh, I had a fun time at it, for sure. But critically, I'm not going to accuse it of being a very good movie.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely not going to see it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I will say, too, not nearly bad enough to be a huge bomb. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, this movie should at least, like, in a world where, you know, the quality directly correlates to how much money it makes, this should at least break even, I would say. Uh, the fact that this is going to lose a bunch of money is kind of sad, uh, but I don't think it should make a billion dollars either. So uh, right around a break even, I think, would have been the justifiable box office for this movie. But, um, you know, doesn't look like it's going to get there.
1: Well, that's too bad. <laughs> uh, I got a couple more movies. Um, start with one I saw earlier. Uh, Harriet the Spy too.
0: Um, <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot about Harriet the Spy.
1: <laughs> I mean, she is kind of a spy because she is trying to rescue people from from the South. So. In a way, and she does do disguises, so she is kind of Harriet the Spy. <laughs> um, but uh, no, Harriet is is the story about Harriet Tubman, um, as maybe you could figure out with my a little bit of my description there. But um, yeah, I mean that's <laughs> that's essentially it. If you know the story of Harriet, uh, Harriet the Tubman, uh, Harriet Tubman, <laughs> you know, you know, kind of, you know, you know what's going on. Um, you know, she she escapes uh, from. Um, her the plantation she's on and and uh, she leaves behind um, some family and uh, she gets to freedom through some pretty crazy odds um, of, of getting to freedom and uh, I think she traveled like 100 miles or something on foot and so she, She's, you know, and free, she's, she's free. And about a year later, she, you know, had this entire, through the entire time of being free, she, you know, misses her family and wants to help others out. So she, you know, goes back and, and that's kind of through the help of that she had when she escaped the underground Rail- railroad is becomes more, um, more, more of a, a powerhouse because she is able to, to get these people through with, in, in again, insane odds. Um, You know, no one really gets captured. She gets tons of people through and, and, Um, it's more than anyone else, uh, that throughout that entire system is able to do. So, uh, it's really the, it chronicles her story. Um, what I will say is for the most part, I think it's a a really well done movie. Um, I was was pretty entertained, uh, throughout. I learned some stuff too. Um, and I thought all the performances are are really well done. Um, notably with Harriet, uh, Cynthia Irivo. I don't know if I can't, I can't pronounce that. She was in, um, Bad Times at El Royale. And widows last year oh yeah um, she's
0: great i like her
1: yeah yeah she's she's really good plus she you know she's got a good voice she does some singing in this one as well she's in bad times at, at the el royale el royale as well um so they they do incorporate a lot of music and that's one of my big positives here um leslie odom jr is also someone who uh he, he's a singer as well and and uh, he does a good job in, in this movie he plays william sill uh still excuse me and so um. yeah I mean overall the performance they do have I mean they did have a lot of people had a lot of singers uh, go on this one because they did a good job with the music and and they had a lot of the actors sing and and they use it in terms of some of the story I mean there's times where it's not really a musical like they don't break out into numbers or anything but uh, Harriet'll you know she to alert someone that she's um, near them or whatever she'll start singing a song that kind of you know like, expresses what she's feeling and and that type of thing so a lot of really cool music, a lot of like gospel type music in this movie, which which is, uh, um, you know, I thought fit the time well and everything like that. And I thought it was really well done overall. So um, I did like that. Really my, my negative of this one, and it kind of took me out of it, was that they went to this really strange religious stuff, almost like, and I don't know if this is in the story or what, but um, Harriet Tubman is like almost being talked to by God throughout this entire process. Mm. And that's, it's really weird. Is that something that's? known (laughs) like that is that something that they talked about in the story do you remember
0: not no um i'm not saying it's not i'm saying i don't know um it wouldn't surprise me i mean there was some there was a lot of deep religion at that time um, yeah and you mentioned all the gospel but i i don't know that it's part of you know for lack of a better way of putting it her canon uh that she was hearing (laughs) hearing the voice of god I, i i'm not sure
1: because like, you don't hear him go Harriet, you know, or anything like that. But she has like a lot of these really strange, weird visions and she's able to see things before they happen in a way. And I just, I didn't like it. It just felt like a supernatural thing. Like it was just really, really weird and out of place and kind of just almost made me roll my eye, roll my eyes at times. So, um, it was, it was weird. Um, but yeah, like you said, I know religion was, that's basically all you had back then was religion and, and, you know, church and all that stuff. So, you know, it, it is what it is. But um, yeah, I, I, that just took me out of the movie. I didn't really like how how heavy they went into some of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I would say prepare for that. But otherwise, the, there is stuff to like in it. The the performances, the music, uh, all that I think is really well done, and and uh, is an enjoyable story. I mean, it's not an enjoyable story, but it is. It's. Uh, I mean, there's there's definitely some like good root moments where she you know gets one over on some of the people and and things like that and and you do root for her a lot they do a good job of of making um like giving her moments to be like yeah you know that type of thing Mm -hmm. so um yeah overall though i think it's really well done um and it's worth checking out if if you're a historian uh, someone who likes history movies and and that type of thing so i'd say check it out for the most part
0: nice yeah i'll probably go check this out it's getting yeah the reviews like you said are kind of middling Uh, They're not rave, but certainly not, uh, you know, not a ton of negative stuff, but uh, this is one I'll probably try to get to this weekend, Um, uh, especially because the history of it all uh, seems really interesting to me. So uh, I I wasn't aware of the the kind of uh, musical style that they had put on, but that makes me a little more excited to see it even.
1: Yeah, it's currently at 72% Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Fans seem to like it as well, 97%. So um, yeah, overall, I gave it a positive review. Um, You know, I, I... Again, some things to look out for and, um, a little weird at times with, with some of those religious things. So it, it's good to pray. Like if you know it going in, I think it's, it'll be a little bit more palatable. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the way they do it is just kind of strange. So I like it, but overall, yeah, yeah. Good movie. Um, final one is a movie that I enjoyed much more, um, uh, than, than Harriet. Um, one of, one of my favorites of the year, I, I think, uh, right now, but, uh, that is Jojo rabbit or Coco rabbit, um, <laughs> Um, so this is the Taiko Waititi film. A uh, lot of controversy going into it because in this movie, um, Taiko Waititi plays Hitler, and it's a uh, it's Hitler through the eyes and mind of a ten year old kid. And so the the basic the basic story is um, Jojo is uh, he's he's the the kid in the movie. Um, they call him Jojo Rabbit because of a moment that happens early on with a rabbit. So kind of his nickname, but. Um, I don't know who this kid is. Actually, I was kind of looking him up uh, here a little bit, but uh, the kid is Ro- uh, Roman Griffin Davis. He hasn't really done anything else, it looks like, but um, he's, you know, he is the entire t- entirety of the story, and I think he does a really good job here. But um, he early on in the movie, he is he, is, he grows up wanting to be um, basically a, a part of Hitler's army, being like a high rank official in, in Hitler's army, and he goes to a camp uh, early on to. Uh, That's run by Sam Rockwell, and he want uh, in this camp. They train you know boys into becoming uh, these you know uh, basically part of Hitler's army. And so um, some some events go down, and he has to no longer be a part of that that group. And so he's spending more time at home and around his mother and and things like that. His mother's played by ScarJo, who gives one of my favorite performances she's ever given. I I absolutely loved her in this movie. Um, But uh, he's spending more time at home, and and while he's spending time at home, he he finds that there's a girl living in his walls and it's a uh, it's a Jewish girl played by <laughs> played by uh, played by Thomas and Mackenzie from Leave No Trace last year oh, I like um, and, and I, I think you had mentioned when we were doing the new release exam I think I thought you had mentioned her as like oh yeah she's in that movie and I'd forgotten uh, until I tell it I, I was like she came on the screen I'm like that's familiar and then I remember remember you had said that I'm like that that might be her and she's grown up a lot since that movie she looks significantly older um, since she did leave no trace so uh, it took me a second to be like yeah I'm pretty sure that's her and so uh, it was cool though she is she's great uh, she she continues to impress me in these movies she she's a, a really good actress and is' gonna, conti- gonna continue to be I think in a, in a lot of these more um, you know prestige type movies you know that that are getting attention like this because she' is, she does a really great job um, the movie really is built around the chemistry between um, her and, and jojo which that you know that that's a big part of the movie is is their relationship and how that changes and how his his ideas and things like that change of, of Jewish people, um, and then the other part is between the relationship between him and him and his mother uh, against ScarJo play who was played by ScarJo. Um, there's some moments in there that just just tear you up like they really warm moments with with her with him and, and ScarJo and things like that. So um, yeah, I mean, just we mentioned I mentioned earlier with 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 Tyka the way that he, and, and not, not to mention him as Hitler is, is is pretty great. (laughs) There's some really, there's some really, really funny moments. And, you know, the worry people had, uh, going into this is that, you know, he, they would make Hitler maybe be sympathetic or, you know, not do Hitler in a, in a, in a way that is respectful to uh, Jewish people and things like that. And that's there, there's no worries there. Um, the, I, I think the way he does Hitler is perfect and, um, it doesn't ever make you sympathize with him or anything like that. So, um, no, don't worry about that. If that's a worry of yours going into this, um, he, 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 he does it perfectly and it's not too much really. I thought that would be an issue is that it's going to be a lot of Hitler in this movie and it's really not a ton. Um, honestly, I, th- I weird to say, but I was kind of wanting a little bit more of his, his portrayal in it <laughs> just, just, to just, to, because I was enjoying it so much, but, um, yeah, I mentioned that the characters, uh, right off the bat, the the characters that Taika introduces, whether you know it is Jojo or um, Thomas and Mackenzie's character Scarjo, um, Hitler himself, or you know some of the other um, smaller characters, Rebel Wilson, who I'm not traditionally a fan of, but does a, has a has a funny role in this movie. Um, so Sam Rockwell's role is great. Uh, I really really enjoyed him as well. Um, all around, he just he these characters that he that he has in this movie, he does a great job of choosing who plays these roles. But they're so well written that they just all feel alive in this movie it's really cool so I, I i love his cast and and um you know the overall aesthetic and the feel of this movie It just feels it has almost like a wes anderson feel to it because it's like a world that's not very um you know it's not a serious world like everyone's very um kind of aloof and joking and and just not all there in the head sometimes but um you know it's it's got a got a lighter feel to it overall uh in that world with some heavy moments too sprinkled in um the jokes all around i thought I think are pretty funny when they go for them uh nothing that's going to make you like you know cry laughing but some some good laughs here and there and um you know a couple good uh, chuckles and and it all just adds to the charm of the characters that are in this too so um yeah this this movie is is it lives up to the hype that people have have been giving it i think um, it's not my favorite of the year, I don't think, but it's up there, and uh, you know it deserves every bit of accolade that it's received so far. So, um, I believe this is getting a wide release this coming week. I just saw that it will be playing here again, and honestly, I have half a mind to go see it again if there's nothing else good playing, just because I did really, really like it a lot and uh, want to see if I can dig through a little bit more. So, um, yeah, I, Jojo Rabbit it, coming out this weekend. Um, you're gonna you're gonna walk out. You'll feel good. Um, you, you know, I know it's weird to say about a movie with Hitler and, and, and Nazis and stuff, but you're going to walk out, you're going to feel good. You might shed a few tears. Um, you're going to be impressed by the performances that you're going to, you're going to have laughed um, all around. There's really not anything I can say bad about it. I, I just really, really, really enjoyed the movie. So definitely check it out.
0: I love it, man. Uh, th- you're right. This is getting crazy rave reviews. Every Everyone I've seen uh, review this is super, super high on it. Uh, and I'm not surprised to hear that it, it's up, a- up near your top of the uh, 2019 list. I'm, I'm super excited. I just looked I'm not getting this this weekend, but uh, no? it should be sometime soon at least. Well, at, I guess it is still Monday. So there yeah. still may be an update to my show times, but um, as of now, it doesn't look like it's showing quite yet um, here in Bend, Oregon, but that hopefully will change. Um,
1: Let's say we're getting it here and we'd never get stuff <laughs> like that on time.
0: Yeah, it's looking, and I'm looking You'd- forward to. And there are no dates here, so it could very easily, excuse me, could very easily be um, added here because we typically do set. get we do get things like we got Lighthouse before you did, so typically yeah. expect to have gotten it already. But hopefully, sometime soon, I'm very excited to go see it as soon as I get a chance. Uh, I will be doing so. So uh, a little bit of a mixed mixed uh, lineup here. Uh, the Lighthouse, you know. <laughs> i don't know if we're recommending but it's got its charms but uh not a big recommend uh terminator see it if you can see it big and loud uh motherless brooklyn we said things about too um (laughs) (laughs) uh harriet was uh, a recommend with some caveats and jojo rabbit a two-thumbed recommend uh, from seth and uh, i'll follow up with my thoughts when i do get to see it here in the next couple weeks i hope Uh, so five movies those are our thoughts on them let us know uh everywhere you can contact us uh what you thought of these movies and uh we'll be back next week with more reviews mom what do you think i love it (laughs) i hated it i know i'm getting to uh doctor sleep this weekend what's on your list
1: i don't know yet i think it's gonna because it would have been jojo rabbit um because i was down in uh, kansas city this weekend which got it a week early so wanted to get to it um it I didn't know it was going to come here in Cedar Rapids at all anytime soon. Um, and so I might go to that again. I, I you know, I, there's the new releases this week, I guess are like Midway, um, uh, last Christmas, Dr. Sleep. Um, I probably won't go see Dr. Sleep because I haven't seen the shining. Um, maybe I, I don't, I don't, don't, think I'll have time to watch it. Uh, and there's a couple of Netflix things I think are coming out. So maybe I'll check those out. Um, and we'll see maybe on midway or maybe even last christmas i have no idea (laughs) if they if they get okay reviews i'll go check them out just because i i do you know have a little more time to do that but i'm really leaning towards going to see jojo rabbit again i really liked it
0: i dig it yeah midway i'm gonna need someone else to tell me midway is good for whatever reason my bullshit sensors are up when i see that trailer um parasite is one that i'm getting and, uh, yeah, okay. I know, uh, I know that At Jared Buckendall just saw this and put a review up on his channel. I haven't seen it yet, so I'm not sure what his thoughts were, but Parasite, uh, it looks like it's a foreign film and, uh, mm-hmm. it's, uh, I just keep hearing that it's cool. Um, I don't know why. So I, I'm, the curiosity may get the best of me and I may go see that, uh, John Cena's playing with fire, uh, is one that I'll be shocked if you don't end up going to see, um, Really? <laughs> no, I, I don't expect you to see it, but uh, <laughs> that uh, I can't believe that is fucking make it, getting made. But Dr. Sleep, I'm excited for. I'm a huge fan of The Shining, especially the book, um, but the movie is great as well. So uh, seeing you and McGregor pick that back up is going to be interesting for sure. So, certainly more reviews to come next week, uh, but we're just about done with this week's episode. But before we go, we got to leave you with one more thing. But I'm down to one more. Thing. all right um i'm gonna cheat again um because i have two one more things the first is i get to perform stand-up comedy this weekend at the last blockbuster in the world and i'm <laughs> fucking stoked about it and i will be talking about it next week very excited to go do that because um, who the fuck can say that not many people other than the other comics <laughs> that are doing it at the same time as me but you get the idea um so if you're in bend um bend uh, bendcomedy.com is where you can uh, find tickets for that um, my actual one more thing is I finally did it I finally did it Seth I rewatched Gross. Avengers Endgame the other night oh wow and I did it uh, I did it after Terminator I don't know why but I left the Terminator like yeah I gotta watch Endgame I, I couldn't tell you <laughs> um, but uh, came home it was actually kind of late at night so I had to stay up late uh, in order to finish it. And uh, that movie's dope, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I expected to have, uh, I expected to like it less the, the second time I saw it. And I'll say, I didn't have like the clapping and cheering. Like I didn't have the desire to do that, but I still enjoy this movie a lot. There's a ton to love here. Um, structurally, it's well-built. Uh, it, it's got its emotional, you know, punches when it wants them. It's got its laughs when it wants those and the final hour of that movie is just nonstop fucking yeah uh there mm-hmm. were a couple moments um i suspect that you'll be able to guess what they were when i was i was laying it was like 1 a.m and i'm like half asleep and a couple of things happened near the end of end game and i was just like fuck yeah in my apartment <laughs> uh so end game holds up i would say better than i anticipated um and maybe i was just in the right mood for it but uh I was nervous about going back for a second view, but I did, and I was happy I did it. Uh, Endgame still, wow. still highly dope. Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> kind of surprised after uh, you know, just know, knowing how you are with with some of these movies. Um, I've I haven't watched it again since I've seen it in the theater. Uh, I saw it three times in the theater. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know when I'll go back and watch it again. Uh, maybe once all this fucking TV dies down. <laughs> um, speaking of that, I had one more thing, but I think. Maybe I'll, I'll use this uh, as, as something that I've decided I'm going to do, maybe as a little bit of an announcement, um, just mentioning TV. So, for whatever reason, this year, uh, since all these shows started back up, I've had just the worst fucking time trying to keep up on everything. <laughs> and and so, I, I have made a decision. The biggest part of trying to keep up with everything is because of these Arrowverse shows. And so, I thought with with Arrow, actually, with the original OG Arrow ending um and the crisis the big crisis event going to be kind of wrapping everything up for a lot of the stuff i think that starting after the finale of arrow i'm going to be done with the arrowverse oh uh, especially with with all of the new shows they've announced there's just so much shit so hard to keep up on i still love legends and maybe i'll keep up on that one but other than that all the other ones i'm just done there's just so much time that i've invested in in some really bad television um just to watch the crossover that i think that this this is going to be it uh, as of the finale of arrow
0: wow you're gonna do the old uh the old um oh shit what the david ortiz big poppy tour where you're gonna <laughs> you continue for the season but uh or for at least part of the season and then bail this is for folks who don't know seth very well a monumental announcement because seth never gets <laughs> off board he's still watching the walking dead <laughs> um, <laughs> seth never gets off board with shows and is a big time cw um you've always been a supporter of the cw so um what this tells me is that these shows have really gotten crappy uh if they're not worth even your time uh it's just so much time on. and it is a lot what is it it's up to like five six hours a week now
1: it's five it's five hours yeah it's five shows it's five hours uh every week um, and then they're going to be adding in like the legends is coming back again after the break. So that'll just basically flip flop. It'll still be five hours a week. And then they're doing the arrow spinoff show. Plus they're doing the Superman and, and Lois Lane show. Um, yeah, it's, it's, and then they're adding, like, I know black lightning is going to be a part of the Arrowverse Now he's going to be in the crossover and I haven't watched that and don't plan to, but like it's, and apparently that show has been the worst one after season one <laughs> from what I've heard. So, oh, that's a shame. um, but uh yeah, I, I just it's just so much time and like there's all these other shows like on Netflix and all this stuff that I want to watch, especially new shows. So hopefully I'll have other, more time to, to watch those and all that.
0: Yeah, I hope so. Uh I'm sad and I'm not gonna officially hit the T V graveyard sounder because uh we'll we'll wait until you follow through on that uh to do so and you officially declare it dead. But uh the days of the CW uh Aeroverse in terms of their relationship with Seth are, are numbered. Uh, and so, uh, he's going to be hopping off the train. Hopefully that means more TV corners for us for other stuff. Um, but certainly the, the sad end of an era. So send Seth all of your CW related goodies, uh, and gifts to help lighten the blow of this. (laughs) So, uh, if you don't, if you want to reduce your, uh, your commitment from five hours down to three, uh, skip out on the CW and rewatch Endgame. That's my recommendation. (laughs) <laughs> uh that's what we got this week for one more thing. But I'm down to one, one more thing. That's gonna bring us to the end of episode one hundred and nineteen of the Soko Show. Don't forget to subscribe wherever it is you're listening. And uh definitely hit up the anchor page, anchor dot sorry, anchor dot fm slash the dash soco dash show, uh, where you can do all sorts of things. Leave us a voice message, we may play it on uh, on this very show, or I guess a future edition of this show, uh, you can become a contributor and kick us a couple bucks or a couple hundred bucks per month uh, to do the show. Shouts out to Mike Vandenhol and at Jared Buckendahl for being uh, contributors so far. And uh, if you can't contribute, that's cool. Uh, just keep listening, keep clicking on this episode and uh, share it out with some friends, grow the audience. And uh, that's going to help the podcast out a lot. So we really appreciate your, uh, your support in that. Uh, head over to the YouTube at Jared Buckendall, hit him up and uh, check out his reviews. Uh, check out the links in the description box to all of our sponsors and all sorts of stories and things that we talked about this week. So uh, next week, we're going to be back with an Octiversary episode. It's going to be very special. So make sure you come on back for that. He is Seth Ott. I am Coco Rabbit, and we will see you next week.
1: Bye. Bye.